This morning's scripture is in Matthew 5, and it's verses 1 through 12. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others rival you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. So, uh, good morning. Um, I want you to think of a number between 1 and 10. Oh, no, no, just kidding. Just kidding. It, it's not Groundhog's Day. I, I apologize. Um, those of you that don't know what in the world I'm talking about, go and listen to last week's sermon. If you weren't here last week, now I've given you homework. So, um, so uh, yesterday was a, was a big day in our family. Our eight-year-old daughter, Claire, um, has been for several years now wanting to have her ears pierced. But there's been one issue with that hurdle for her. She is not quite a fan of pain. It's a kind of a big deal for her. So um, that held her back for a while, <laughs> the, the idea of pain. So yesterday she she woke up and said, you know, I think today's the day. I think I'm I'm ready for it. Uh, I'm still scared. She talked it through with us a little bit. So we went to, ironically, a store called Claire's. And um, they didn't give a discount. I'm a little disappointed about that. But So we went to Claire's, and uh, um, as a dad, I was shocked what it cost to get your ears pierced. There's some kind of kit involved. I don't know. Um, I offered the whole punch. She said no. Um, so... Here, here's the thing with, with Claire. I, she struggled with the pain for months now. Actually, for years, she's thought about this and talked about this. So she was really gripped by fear. Like, for her, it really was a fear thing. And one of the things we talked to her about leading up to it was, Claire, it, it, it's quite likely that the fear that you're in the anticipation of the pain is way worse than the actual pain, the actual physical act of when it when it happens. Way worse. So we talked about the the idea of anticipation, and we explained that to her, and and we talked about um, the fear and being courageous in that. And and one of the things that that I I realized is that for for Claire, so much was going on for her inside really below the surface. It was much less about the actual pain itself when when the whole 
actually was punched. It was more about what she was struggling with inside. And, and I can report to you uh, proudly that she was courageous, you know, in the face of the fear and didn't even flinch when, when it actually occurred. Um, so she has pierced ears at the moment. Um, here's where we're going to, last week we talked about uh, knowing Jesus changes our thinking. So we talked about uh, patterns of thinking and, and how our mind being transformed by Christ and, and how it's really an act of worship. We talked about being really a, a theological endeavor. Today we're going to talk about um, our, our inner self, character, or, or a, a fancy word for that is interiority, which it means the inner, inner life, the inner character of somebody. Um, and, and Jesus absolutely wants to transform that in us. So this picture right here is, is actually quite prevalent when, when you think of what's, what's internal. Um, you know, you see the iceberg, and, and as many of you know, an iceberg has 90% below the waterline. So 90% of an iceberg we don't see. And that's actually true of all of us. And as we look at each other, um, what somebody does, what they look like, how they might sound, all those things, it doesn't really describe much of the person. Because below the waterline is 90% of who they are. And so when we think about knowing Jesus changes, fill in the blank, we recognize that most of what he's changing we don't see in, in ourselves or in each other. Now in ourselves, we're much more aware of a lot of that. But so much of what he intends to change in us is actually something that most of us can't see in one another. It's below the surface. If, if you remember the, the first week, a couple weeks ago, we, we showed that, that pie chart. Um, some things that we'd be looking at on that pie chart would be he would transform our, our, our emotions. He would transform um, our character. Uh, he would transform us spiritually. Um, we're, we're getting into that area in particular. Um, there's a lot of the inner person that God wants to transform. Um, and I, I think this iceberg, there was a book that came out a number of years back now that's still, I think, excellent. Um, Dr. Larry Crabb put a book out called Inside Out. If anybody's ever read that, it came out in the late 80s. Um, more recently, there's a book uh, by Peter Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, both great books. Both books use this, this uh, word picture of an iceberg and dealing with what's below and saying, God, would you transform me? Uh, what's below that waterline? So um, we're going to look at that today. We're going to actually look at um, the beginning of what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, that, that the, some of the main teaching that Jesus gave was actually, you, you look in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, and that whole stretch is what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and we're going to take a look at that. We're going to take a look closely as, as we've just read at the beginning of that. Um, but one of the things that we're going to notice, if you look through, if you were to read, and, and I actually would encourage you to do so after, after this morning, read these, these three chapters and look at this teaching. And there are, there are topics in there of anger, lust, loving our enemies, giving, prayer, fasting, um, heart treasures, anxiety, worry, judging, bearing fruit, 
All of these are heart issues. All of these are about the interiority of the person. Uh, And that's where Jesus is teaching. And in fact, the Lord's Prayer that we pray, we, we just prayed that. We pray that each week here at Living Hope. The part that says, Thy kingdom come, that Jesus, here's a prayer, here's a pattern of prayer for you. The part that says, thy, thy kingdom come, is actually not just a political kingdom where, where God would reign, but it's actually a kingdom of, of our hearts, the heart of a believer, the heart of, of us as a believer, would be changed, would be representative of His kingdom. Now, what we're going to talk about today is actually kind of two parts. The odd thing is, it's the, the part two of this, or part B, if you want to say, is in two weeks. Because next week, um, Glenn Ash, one of our elders here, is going to share um, in, in the sermon. So in two weeks, we're going to have kind of a part B of what we're talking about this morning. And I say that because um, conduct flows out of character. So this morning, we're talking about internal interiority we're talking about character development transformation out of that action conduct occurs and so in in two weeks we're going to have part b and we're going to see how that all fits together in our our outward actions Um, how does our character and our interior or interiority actually get displayed in, in actual action so we're going to look at this context in um, Matthew chapter 5. Um, and, and let me read this uh, first couple of verses for you. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Now, here, here's what's interesting. When, when he says he opened his mouth and taught them, it, it seems kind of odd why... Why was that put in there? He opened his mouth and taught. Well, obviously. It's actually um, for the, the, the rabbis and the teachers of the time, that was a phrase that people recognized. This was very critical teaching that this, this teacher was about to say. This was kind of mic-dropping kind of stuff that was about to be mentioned and, and taught um, by Jesus. So um, he opened his mouth and he taught them. Um, he talks about, like we said, the interiority, and he gives seven particular blessings or blessed character traits. And the eighth, we're going to look at just briefly, the eighth is actually the result of the first seven. And some actually suggest that these seven that we're going to look at, just kind of quickly go through, some suggest it's actually representative of one whole transformed character in Christ. So it's just different angles of, of a transformed interior of, of a person that, that Jesus has grabbed hold of. This is representative of that. So it's teased out in different ways through these seven. <clears throat> so one of the challenges, and we'll see in the eighth one, which is really a response to if you, if you live, if, if you are this and you're living, displaying this, there's going to be some issues and some struggles because this actually represents God's economy, His kingdom, which is a set of values that are quite different than what most of us naturally live by, what what our society naturally lives by. It's actually quite different. So verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This isn't talking about any kind of outward circumstance 
or anything that we might have or not have. Um, it's actually talking about a, a self-emptying conviction. Before God, we're void of, of everything. We're completely in need of Him. So to be poor in spirit means that, God, I recognize I'm desperate before You. Um, one of the, I was actually reading this one commentary and, the, and one of them talked about, while others walk in a vain show or in a shadow, somebody who's poor in spirit are rich in the knowledge of their real case. They're rich in the knowledge of knowing who I actually am before Jesus. So I, thought, I thought that was quite powerful. Verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is actually in some ways closely related to the first one. In some ways it's kind of an emotional response to being poor in spirit, to being undone. We would feel the pain and the sorrow of our own sin. And we would also empathize with others who are who are broken, hopeless, experience their own pain. Um, yeah, I can think of things uh, broadly. Uh, slavery, trafficking, homelessness, um, all of those that are so prevalent now. Needs of our neighbors, families, friends. There's so many areas that um, we are called to and God intends to transform our character to actually empathize with the pain that others are experiencing. And that may be others that are right next door to us. That might be others that are on the other side of the globe to empathize and to not be dismissive and say, well, that doesn't affect me. That's a continent away. So um, so that's somewhat what's meant by those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, verse 5, for they shall inherit the earth. This is a, this is a gentle strength. It has the, the connotation of a bridled horse. Okay, there's strength there that's under control. Um, it's, it's kind of akin to, to humility, to willingly give up power and, a, and, and ultimate authority. It's akin to humility in that way. Verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. It's interesting that Jesus here um, attaches the pursuit of goodness and holiness and, and God's righteousness to a physical need or a craving. Um, that we we need and we crave and we pursue God's righteousness, His holiness in our lives. God, change me because I recognize my sin and I'm, I, I want You and I want to be like You. Verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. As God has shown mercy to us, we are to do so to others. And really, this has a sense of action to it. So this is we're starting to turn the corner to to some real action as we as we get further in these verses. Verse eight: Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is somebody who who recognizes they're they're inwardly clean because of the righteousness of Christ. And and as they struggle and fall with sin, there's confession, there's repentance. And they're not, they're not harboring and holding on to that sin and saying, well, if no other person 
recognizes this sin, then I'm right. It didn't happen, right? Um, but we recognize that when you look at that iceberg, God sees all of that. And so the, the person who, um, who has a pure heart recognizes that and, and confesses and repents and, and doesn't live in that sin. Verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. <clears throat> we become peacemakers in a troubled world. We're channels of God's mercy, purity, and peace. Is there any possible way that we actively could be as Christians a peacemaker in this world? Is there any you know, division and strife and turmoil in this world? I'm being a little sarcastic. But God says, blessed are those who are the peacemakers. Not just diplomats, but peacemakers because of Christ. And then verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As we mentioned earlier, this is a completely different value system than is natural to ourselves. It's a completely different value system that is presented by our society. So if somebody starts to have this inner character, as God changes them, as they pursue Him, if they start to look like this, Jesus says, you know what, you're going to have some persecution. It's going to happen because you're going to look a little odd. Your values and your actions coming out of your character is just going to be kind of different. And people might push back on that. So one of the realities that we we need to recognize is that we talked about this, I think, two weeks ago. This is a process of transformation. When we trust Jesus, we're not instantly changed all 100%, 10% above the waterline that people see, 90% below. It's a process. Kierkegaard said this short little quote. He said, Christianity is inward deepening. It's inward deepening. And it's, and it's a process. There is this interesting um, process of... Uh, uh, which would be inner development, the development of the interiority. Um, this guy named Bernard of Clairvaux talked about these stages of love. And I find these fascinating. So the first stage is called autocentrism. It's the love of self for self's sake. Okay? You, you're likely not trusting in Jesus as, you know, you're not a, a a believer likely if that's if that's the stage one is in um, because it's it's completely pointed inward at yourself and you're not you may not even be aware of God or that you should be loving him in any way the second stage is autocentric theism you love God but it's kind of for yourself and and one example biblically of this would be job outwardly Job displayed a lot of love for the Lord. But when he was challenged to, in an extreme way, it took a lot, but what ended up being revealed that it was all about, it was the stuff he had. It was the people he had around him. That's ultimately where his trust lied, and, and he ended up cursing God when God took all of that away. Let's, let's not think that we're so different than Job, but that, that is kind of a stage of love that, that um, is defined that way. Uh, and then the third is simple theocentrism. 
Love of God for God's sake. And then the fourth, and this one you might recoil initially. The fourth is complex theocentrism. Love of self for God's sake. And, and the reason you might recoil is you say, well, we're to love God, not necessarily love ourselves, And that doesn't sit right with me. Um, what Bernard's point was is that the deep inward stuff needs to be transformed and we need to realize deeply inside our Christ-centered value. If you remember, Jesus was pressed by the religious leaders and they were like, how, you know, how do you sum up the law? What, what are the greatest commandments? And Jesus said, first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of you, not just above the waterline, but the 90% below as well. The second is to love your neighbor, outward action, we'll get to in a couple weeks, as you love yourself. So Jesus assumes, I think Tim talked about this a couple months ago, Jesus assumes there is a, a, a deep understanding of, our, of loving ourselves because we recognize the value God has placed on the inherent value He has placed on us. So that's, according to, to Bernard of Clairvaux, those are the four stages of the development of really developing and transforming the interiority. And there is definitely a process of transformation. This, this uh, fancy word that, that uh, I can tell you word does not like because it squiggly lines under it. Christiformity. The process of becoming formed, conformed to Christ-likeness. If you remember in Psalm 145 that was read earlier, we, we did the responsive reading, you see a tremendous amount of God's character. And then fast forward to the, the um, section here that we're looking at in Matthew 5, and he talks about people having a similar character because he's trying to, in his kingdom, align those two. His kingdom is where He rules. So if He rules inwardly in us, then that that represents His kingdom because He is actually transforming us to look more like Him. It's ultimately internalization. The mind, the heart, the emotions, the hands, our actions, our behaviors. My story wraps up in, this is all of who I am. There's a concept in... in, um, missiology called syncretism. And, and so when people are exposed to the gospel message and, and who God is and what Jesus has done for them, sometimes they'll say, I love that. That's wonderful. Uh, let, me, let me bring that along with what, I, what else I believe. And so they kind of synchronize and they, and they kind of carry, yeah, I'm going to pick that up and I'm going to go too. And the gospel and what, what Scripture teaches is it's it's completely Him. So it's actually a complete repentant change from one direction to another. So our story gets wrapped up completely in Jesus, not as just a part of what our life is about. And the last part of that is believers growing in such Christ deformity are the best manifestation of the glory of God in creation. So He will transform us. We pursue Him and say, God, would You change me? 
I recognize some, some areas that I need refining. I need transformation and I need you. But there is active participation for us. Let me, let me change the corner here. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different to kind of end things today. We're going to actually highlight a, an organization, a ministry that, that I believe really, really represents the active character of God. Uh, many of you are aware of this organization, um, and some of you may or may not be to some extent, um, but the organization is called Compassion International. Several years back, um, Becky and I uh, were compelled to sponsor a child through Compassion International, because that's their, that's their design. You sponsor children, uh, a particular child, or you can do multiple. We met a woman who sponsored, what, 30 at the time? 30 children she sponsors. Um, she lives up in Maryland. Um, but we, we sponsor um, a child from the Dominican Republic named Jolmi. Becky, what what is the sponsorship a month? Is it thirty eight dollars? Yeah, we I think we do you know, automatic, so I don't know what that what that exact is now. Um, but so thirty eight dollars a month, we're able to actually um, from quite a distance, obviously. Um, but but Jolmi is able to do some schooling. Um, he is getting um, exposed to the gospel. Uh, there is discipleship occurring in his life. There is physical needs being met by him. And what Compassion does, this is one of the unique aspects of what they do as an organization. They actually work specifically every time they work through a local church or local churches in an area and region. So they work through the local church to engage with these children. Um, it is it is an active way, but in a lot of ways a simple way for us to, to uh, actively... Uh, join God in what He's doing. Um, it's been a blessing to us. <clears throat> so I'm going to show this video in a minute here. The guy on the video's name is Richmond Wandera. Um, I've gotten to know him as a friend. Um, I've been I had the privilege to go through a degree with him, um, and he. This is his story. He actually was a compassion-sponsored child, um, and then has has gotten some education and, and started a ministry called Pastors Discipleship Network, um, which is doing some excellent things, equipping pastors in East Africa. So let me show this video, and then we'll wrap up from there. I'm going to pray, um, but that is, this is an opportunity... Um, if God would so move you and lead you to do so. But this is an opportunity to outwardly express what God's transforming internally in us. Um, this is not by no means the only way to do that, um, but this is an opportunity that we wanted to lay before you. Um, there is a table right over there, um, and you can go over there. There's actually specific children that are waiting for a sponsor over there um, that you can pray about and you can you could take and actually sponsor. So there's specific children. Go over there, look, pray about it. We're actually going to have that table set up for, for the next couple weeks. Um, but I'd love for you to go over there and just take a look and, and just read through a little bit more about that. So let me pray for us. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that you love us perfectly. We thank you, Lord, that your character is perfect. And you intend to build your character deep in us. Lord, we recognize that there is so much of us that's below the waterline that you want to change. 
Lord, would You keep us open to that? And desirous of complete change. Transform us to look like You and um, help us to know how to take those steps. How to be obedient to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.